seeing um, these little kids up here um, reminds me of um, something that took place in my life when I was about the size of these kids. It's not a good thing that happened, but it happened. When I was in grade school, I got into my mom's purse and I took some money out of her purse. You know, I'd rather come up against the biggest, burliest guy who threatens to knock me down than to have to come to your mom. Moms have a wonderful way of making you feel incredibly guilty when you should be guilty. And so I had taken this little bit of money and my mom knew both from the fact that the money was gone from her purse and she knew that there was probably only one person who could take it and that was me. And so I got in big trouble. But when my mom disciplined me, I felt really bad inside. And it kind of broke the relationship between um, my mom and myself. In fact, I couldn't even... Uh, look at her. You know, I want to make sure that in the house I was going in a different direction than she was going. And uh, it was a couple of days like that, and I finally came to my mom and said, Mom, I'm sorry for what I did. And she said, that's all I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear you say you're sorry. And so our relationship was put back together. My mom forgave, we hugged, and uh, joy returned not only in my life, but in uh, our home as well. Someone once said, um, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Um, fortunately, mom got happy again, and uh, our relationship was restored and no, I never took anything else out of her purse. I stayed far away from that. We're going to talk in this new study in 1 John um, about what it means to follow Jesus. John uh, gives us a good, what we would call good theology in his letter. Um, to the church. Maybe most likely it could have been written to the church in, in Ephesus. We're not 100% sure, but at the end of, toward the end of 1 John, um, in chapter 5, verse 13, John sums up what the whole letter was about, and he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. That was the, the purpose of John's writing this letter, that the readers of the letter, including us today, would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, we have eternal life and that eternal life is found within the Son. Now, let me read for you this first part in chapter 1. Um, John writes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we had looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life that was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We necessarily don't like the word... Um, theology. It sounds very heady. It sounds like something you do at school. And um, when theology, when that word was ever used from the pulpit, for me growing up, I thought, well, this is going to be one dull sermon. Well, I hope this will be, won't be one dull sermon for you today, but theology is incredibly important. That is right theology. And when we use the word theology, it comes from two words, theo, which is God, and logos, ology, which is word. And so when we talk about theology, when we read the scriptures, we are essentially saying this is a word about God. It's good stuff. Uh, Paul, excuse me, John needed to write about good theology because there was bad theology that was beginning to take place in the church. Uh, John most likely read, wrote this letter um, somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s, first century. Um, he is also roughly at that same time writing his gospel. So a lot of the things that are written in the letter, we also can see in his gospel. He had those things on his heart. But there were a group of people that were infiltrating into the church, and they were teaching that um, evil or flesh and spirit cannot dwell together. Good cannot have any part with bad. Light cannot have any part with darkness. And they continued to make that, that teaching go out and out and out until they came to the point that says, since Jesus is God, pure and holy, there is no way he could have come in the flesh. Because the flat flesh is 
unholy, unclean. And so what we've seen is Jesus is really just a manifestation of the Spirit. He's not really there. In fact, some of the teachings went as far as to say he was not flesh and blood. Now, we might have a problem with that. But there are always new philosophies coming up, and the church was pretty young, and so when forceful people came in and began to teach these things, there were people who said, well, maybe that's true. I mean, it sounds right. They said because there is um, a difference between flesh and spirit, and spirit is good and sinless, and flesh is evil, there is a, a sense that we, as spiritual beings, cannot sin. Again, that seems to go contrary to Scripture, and it's that theology that Jesus really wasn't here physically, that we really, as followers of Jesus, cannot sin, that John begins to set forth for us good theology. Now, if we have good theology, it leads to good doxology. That, that is saying, is if we have our doctrine right, it helps us move toward praise of God, worship, if our theology is, is right. If we have good and right theology, it leads to good orthodoxy. And when we talk about orthodoxy, we're talking about doctrine, the teachings of the church, the teachings of Scripture. And when we have good theology, right theology about who God is, it leads to good what we call orthopraxy, which is we get our word practice from. When we have good theology, it leads to right action. So knowing rightly about God, about Jesus, helps us worship well. It helps us uh, believe rightly. It helps us do works of righteousness. And if we have bad theology, or if we say, I have no theology, then it makes it... Incredibly diff difficult to worship well. If Jesus is just one of us, why worship? If the word of God is just a bunch of words, then why believe it? And if God's spirit works in us, is, is really not working us in, in this life, it, how do we do righteous works? What drives us to that? Let's, let's take a moment, walk back through this passage, and look at the good theology we find, the good word about God. In verse 1, we said, that which is from the beginning... Now, he is not necessarily talking about Genesis 1-1, but he's more like talking about John 1-1, the gospel, where he talks about Jesus who was from the beginning. He was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John says here, that was from the beginning, Jesus 
And notice what he says here. He says, which, are, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, which we have touched concerning uh, the word of life. This runs in face of that Gnostic teaching that says Jesus really wasn't flesh. John says, we have heard him. We have seen him. Our hands have touched him. He is really there. It speaks to that theology of what we call the incarnation, that God put on flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen him and we have uh, beheld him, John says. We saw him really eat. We saw him really walk. We felt his arm around our shoulder. Jesus was real. He came in the flesh. It was God among us. With this miracle that we will never fully understand in the incarnation is that God became man, that in the person of Jesus, there was um, righteousness and holiness and full humanity. There's lots of discussions on how those things mix. Most of them way above my pay grade. But we believe, as John says, that Jesus really came. He was really here. We touched him, we saw him, we listened to him. In verses 1 and 2, we read that Jesus is the life. Remember Jesus and, um, and John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's just not that Jesus was alive, but life was in him. Eternal life is in him. If we want to have... Um, that hope for eternity is found in the person of, of Jesus Christ. We sang the song today. Um, he is our hope for today and for time to come. It's not just about heaven. It's about now. Jesus is the life. It comes from him. He is the one who gave it. And in fact, he was the one who was at creation. The Trinity was there, and he helped bring life into um, these bodies that God created. And not only is Jesus the life, but we also read that he is the light. Now, John uses the word um, God here. But this whole passage deals with Jesus. And so the relationship with Jesus and God are one. John, if you go back and read his gospel in chapter 8 and in chapter 9, where Jesus says, uh, I am the light of the world. He who trusts in me will never walk in darkness. Jesus is the light. And um, 
shows us the direction, brings uh, light to the darkness of our being. He lights up the darkness. Much like um, that lightning yesterday, sitting in that nice chair by that nice big window and just watching the flash in the dark clouds of that bolt across the sky. And it's amazing to me how much those things light up the world. They light up the darkness. Jesus lights up our lives, our darkness. Another portion of theology we learn here is in uh, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John will use a word um, a little later on in his letter, uh, propitiation, that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were given because of sin. Various sacrifices for various levels of sin. And it was about coming before God and saying, I have sinned. You are God. I am not. You are holy. I am a sinner. And we bring this sacrifice to show uh, our repentance. We give of the best we have to give. And that uh, sacrifice is is slain on the altar. And that blood was uh, significant. It signified the, the cleansing of our sin. And Jesus becomes, as the one who cleanses us, his blood shed upon the cross, that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, the one who has died once for all. Paul writes, in Adam, our forefather, all have sinned, all of us. But Jesus is that one who purchased all of us as we surrender our lives to him. And then in verses 8 and verses 10, uh, we are are told again, we are reminded again of that theological truth that God is holy and we are not. That if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That was the Gnostic teaching, that we don't sin. We're incapable of sinning because we're We've trusted in Jesus. And so, um, I don't know about you, but I find that I sin pretty regularly. I need to uh, daily come before God and confess that I have lived contrary to his law. The church I served at in Minnesota, there was an older gentleman who came to me one Sunday and said, you know, I never sin. That intrigued me as a young guy. 
And I said, what do you mean you never sin? He goes, I don't, I can't. Uh, didn't quite know, know where to put that one. Um, we talked, I said, so you never do anything wrong. Well, I do things wrong, he said. But it's not sin. I said, okay, I'm still having a difficult time knowing where to cubbyhole, what to place that. And we, um, he kind of just walked away from me. Probably thought I was hopeless. That I didn't understand that we can be sinless. That all we do is perfection. And that which we do that might be evil is really of the flesh. And the flesh doesn't count. Flesh is evil. We've been touched with God's holiness. Therefore, the flesh is gone. It doesn't count anymore. Well, I guess I live in the flesh a whole lot because sin is a regular occurrence for me. Maybe not for you, but for me it is. And that's why I need and hold on to that uh, great theological truth that there is forgiveness of sin in Christ Jesus. I remember as a high schooler uh, memorizing uh, verse 9, and I quote it often, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Doesn't mean that I stop in this flesh from sinning. I still do that. That's why I need to come to Jesus often and confess my sins often. I think confession really has two parts. One, the first one, um, is acknowledging, confessing that God was right. God was right. The second is confessing to God that I was wrong. The scriptures tell us that the end of all sin is death. That was true when I took the money from my mom's purse. The end of that sin, of doing that sin, brought a sense of death between my mom and I that need to be, needed to be restored. And confessing my sin that mom was right and Randall was wrong, brought wholeness. It was there that my mom was able to offer forgiveness to me. We need to continue to come. The psalmist writes, search me and know me. God, and see if there's any hurtful way in me, and if there is, show it to me. Let's reveal it. Let's move on. Cleanse me, oh God. Make me as clean as driven snow. And what good news is there for us today that if we sin, or dare I say, when we sin, 
We can come before Jesus, and he is faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to the work he did on the cross. It was effective. It accomplished what it was meant to accomplish, to offer that once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And he's just. Just in what? Sometimes we think justice and sin shouldn't be in the same sentence except to uh, pronounce condemnation. But Jesus is just to what happened, what he did. He doesn't just lay it aside. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. This is where somebody stands up and yells, all. Thank you. Aren't we excited to the fact that Jesus cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness? We don't get to heaven someday and come before him. And Jesus says, ah, I still hold this thing against you. No, when we get to heaven, Jesus sees us as forgiven. All of our unrighteousness. And we stand before him essentially wrapped in his righteousness, clothed in it. So Jesus in all his perfection is seen. Good theology works for us. The word of God makes us wise unto salvation. We need to, as James says, we need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. Livers out of good theology. So, two gifts that we end with. When we have good theology and when we practice good theology, first of all, we can experience joy. Because we know who God is. And we know how God has worked for us. And that can bring joy in our lives. We are um, his children. And he loves us intensely. Joy because we know in Christ we are forgiven. And that leads to the second thing. We not only know joy, but we experience forgiveness. My mom enfolded me in her arms. I experienced forgiveness. Jesus envelops us in his arms so we can experience forgiveness. And I think that's where the teaching that we hear in scriptures that we are to confess our sins one to another so that you may be healed. You see, if I confess my sins to you, and you uh, being the uh, holder of the Holy Spirit, you can be used to, in a very real way, help me experience the forgiveness of God. You can enfold me in your arms. 
that comes off really easy off our tongue. But very few of us have the um, intestinal fortitude and the spiritual uh, strength to go before a brother and sister and say, I need to confess my sin to you. Not just necessarily about the sin that we've completed to each other, but just this thing that I'm struggling with life because we know what the other person will do usually is they will think evil of us. They will maybe even talk about us. They will no longer be uh, seen with us. We are held to a lesser standing, but the word tells us that we are to be healed. And that healing comes is when we embrace each other. And say, I am a sinner too. But we are both redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let me help you walk forward. Let's do that together. Good news for us in John. It's a book about love. And I don't know about you, but we all need some love, especially when it comes from God. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, as in boy.org or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.